Welcome. You've tuned in to Designing and Building Your Dream Home. And I'm your host, KT. I hope you get a chance, if you missed our first episode last week, to grab that episode off your favorite source for podcast content. It sets the stage for the discussion. Our goal with this show is to help you, the person dreaming of designing and building a custom home just for them, designed around your family's needs and desires, to help you to be a more educated buyer. And as I explained a little bit uh, in more detail in that first episode, not all the cutting-edge best practices and products that are available at any given time for custom home um, design and production make it through to the end user just because of the way our industry is set up. Uh, If a product or process is not something that the custom builder is used to working with, they're not going to be suggesting that product because learning something new takes time to ramp up. Builders, like all businesses that are successful, want to continue to improve efficiency. Well, sometimes you're having a little bit of information, some knowledge, can make a big difference in getting the home that you really want. So as we continue through the series, we're going to be sharing content from award-winning architects and builders on the best way to go about designing your dream home. I'm privileged today to have with me two very special residential architects. They're partners at the Barley Pfeiffer architectural firm. Barley Pfeiffer is known in our industry as being a company that designs high-performance homes and buildings. And the goal is not just to design a building that is very efficient in terms of sustainability and energy consumption. They design homes and buildings that are beautiful and timeless. They're recognized for their attractive design, their integrity, and their building's ability to stand up to the elements. And you'll be surprised to learn that these buildings are less expensive to own, operate, and maintain, and healthier to occupy, more comfortable to live and work in than a spec home that you buy just because it's on the market or just because a builder took a chance and that property is located in the area that you were thinking of living. So we have with us this uh, for this show, Alan Barkley, who holds a Texas license in architecture and interior design. He's the lead designer and artist for the firm. And his success is due to his uncanny ability to synthesize your vision and needs while creating a stimulating and elegant architectural form and space in the property. His clients appreciate his ability to draw realistic images of the collaborative thoughts during your in-person and virtual design meetings. We also have with us his partner, Peter Pfeiffer, architect, interior designer, and building science consultant. He's licensed in Texas, New York, New Jersey, as well as with the National Council of Architectural Registration Boards. You're going to love this discussion. 
I've had the privilege of knowing both Alan and Peter for a bit now, and they're cherished treasures in the field of residential architecture. I want to start off by asking you gentlemen, well, first I should just say welcome to the show, Alan. Welcome to the show, Peter. Welcome. welcome. Thank you. Excellent. So I want to get the conversation going with something that when I've heard you guys speak at conferences, you do a really good job of sharing insights with the audience, which a lot of the audiences that I've heard you present to are professionals in the industry. You've done presentations for builders, for the National Association of Home Builders. You've done presentations for architects at the AIA events. I want to get some of that insight and knowledge out to the public so that they are more educated as they begin this journey towards designing and building their dream home. So my first question for you is, it's a two-part question. So what would you say are the one, two, or three most important high-performance design elements that a person should ask the architect they're thinking of working with? And maybe the same or maybe different for the custom builder they're thinking of working with. So I, I call this low-hanging fruit. What are those questions that a homeowner should ask these professionals? No. Well, I think, I think first uh, a homeowner should ask the architect if he's or she is familiar with doing climate-responsive design. And then if they are, then how do they quantify whether the design is climate responsive? Do they, for instance, we uh, track our clients' houses after they move in to look at the utility bills to see uh, how well the houses are actually performing. And that gives us data to try to do the next one better. Nice. And, and I'm going to add to that that. Climate responsiveness is different for the different parts of the country or wherever it is you're building. If you're building in the South or anywhere in the country where air conditioning is used a lot, uh, you want to make sure your architect understands how to deal with the sun and shading the sun and reducing air conditioning loads. Um, how does, how to, how, what is their strategies for reducing air conditioning loads and making your house more comfortable during the hot times of the year? If you're in the area of the country where your winters are long and heating needs are a big deal, same thing. What do they do to make it so the heating costs are lower and the house stays naturally more comfortable? I think one other one other uh, element to ask is to discuss the, the issues of durability, uh, how the houses uh, are looking after the house has been up for five years, 10 years. Are these homes... Uh, going to need a lot of work because of the design elements. Uh, is the architect taking into account, like Peter said, overhangs, shading windows, but not only shading windows, but protecting walls from the elements, from helping to shield them against the rain, the sun. So th these are things that I think people should uh, have on their list of things to see if their architect is doing uh, for this this kind of high-performance uh, design that I think folks are looking for these days. Well, let me ask you, is it the kind of thing like when you are going in to talk to your doctor and, you know, they've spent a great deal of time in, in education and they have a tremendous amount of knowledge 
and you're just a person with some challenge you're trying to figure out, you know, sometimes we get frustrated because we feel like the doctor is kind of almost a little uh, heavy-handed. Maybe, maybe they don't mm, treat us in the exact same way as maybe they treat another doctor because we're just a lay person. Is the architect going to be offended if you ask some of those specific questions about how they design? They may be, but I think, uh, KT, that uh, we actually like it when people ask us those questions because we then understand that they're attuned to, to being able to appreciate the things that we do. And, and so I think we can have a more meaningful design when they're on board uh, with those items. Okay. Yeah, that's helpful. So don't be afraid to get educated and to have a conversation with the firm you're thinking of hiring to do the uh, architectural design. Don't be afraid to ask some questions about how familiar they are with the high-performance building design uh, concepts. Is that fair? High-performance and climate-responsive. Okay, what's the difference? High-performance is a weird term, Kevin. But climate responsive, KT, climate responsive says it all. Do they know how to design for their particular climate? And if they say yes and get them to explain, okay, what do you do? How how do you design for our climate? What do you do when you're designing the house to make it particularly good for our climate? Hmm. That's the the essence of the question. And remember that the architect is really guiding a, a client through a, a multitude of decisions along the process and, and also having the effect of a lot of money uh, on the design of this house. So a, a client ought to feel no uh, remorse or, or no hindering in asking architects hard questions about how are you going to guide me? How are you going to manage my money? And then how can I know that your houses do actually work well and perform well? I think those are valid questions uh, clients, potential clients interviewing architects should ask. Those are some great tips. Uh, Well, look, I'm going to ask you the next question, and then we're going to take a quick break and come right back. So I'll give you the questions so you can be thinking about it. So um, it's a three-part question. What products and installation processes best address Minimizing the expense of heating and cooling your home. Minimizing the waste of water either in the home or on the property. As you guys are well aware, there's a number of states that there is an issue when it comes to access to water. So this is gro- this is an issue that's growing in relevance. How do you minimize the waste of water on your property? And having just come through the pandemic, a lot of people are wondering about improving the quality of the air inside their home. So I want to get your thoughts on those three questions when we come back from the break. This is Designing and Building Your Dream Home. I'm your host, KT, and we'll be right back. Some may see a sprinter, 
At the NFHS, we see a future leader already off to the races. Some may see a volleyball player. One hit! Way to go, girls! At the NFHS, we see a spike in confidence that will help her achieve her potential. What else do we see? Musicians learning to march to their own beat. We're the NFHS, the national leader and advocate for high school athletics and activities in America, helping today's teenagers develop the skills they need to become tomorrow's leaders. And we see it happening in communities across Washington every single day. Learn more about the NFHS commitment to youth at nfhs.org. This message presented by the NFHS, the National Federation of State High School Associations. I'm a wife, a sister, and a grandfather. I'm an office clerk. I'm a research analyst, dance fitness instructor, actor. I'm a copywriter. I'm a veteran. I have lupus, cerebral palsy. I'm blind. And I'm working in a job I love. I love. Because I was given a chance to contribute my skills and talents. To show that my disability is only one part of who I am. Who I am. Who I am. At work, it's what people can do that matters. For more information, visit whatcanyoudocampaign.org. I'm health and wellness correspondent Lee Kelso, inviting you to discover something new, the Health Call Radio Hour. Each week, we meet doctors, researchers, authors, and people from around the world trying new things to make our mind and body better and to help us age with style. From head to toe, we cover it all on the Health Call Radio Hour. Sundays at 12 a.m. right here on 1150 KKNW. Tell your friends about Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Designing and Building Your Dream Home. I'm your host, KT, and I have with me um, Peter Pfeiffer and Alan Barley of Barley Pfeiffer Architects. Before the break, I posed a tough question to both of them. They have decades of experience in residential architecture. They're known in the industry as being leaders when it comes to designing high-performance homes. The question was, what products and installation processes best address these three areas of interest? Number one, minimizing the expense of heating and cooling your home. Number two, minimizing water waste, either in the home or on the property. And number three, how do you improve indoor air quality with cutting edge products and processes? So I, I think, uh, KT, uh, addressing item number A, heating and, and cooling a home, since we first look at houses and the performance of houses, maybe not from a gadget point of view or a systems point of view, but from a design, the biggest impacts can be had by properly placing windows uh, on the right size of the houses, uh, properly placing rooms on, on areas of the site that don't face directly west, you think about how the house sits in, in, in relationship to the sun and to the topography and to the breezes, 
and, and even winter winds, depending on the, on the parts uh, uh, where you're out in the country. And all those things play a huge factor on how well this house is uh, going to perform. So the first thing folks should do is, 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 is uh, think about where these pieces of the house get placed in relationship to how they sit and, and then work around that. So I'm going to add to that. Um, let's say you're building in Denver, Colorado, and you've got some pretty cold winters uh, and you don't have a strong need for air conditioning. So you can have more of your windows facing into the afternoon sun there, let's say in your living room, your family room, your kitchen, than if you were in Austin, Texas, where you really want to shade yourself in the afternoon sun. So Al's point is you start off with a design that responds to the climate, particularly where the sun is coming from and where the cold winter winds come from. Again, in Denver, I'm sure they come from the north and probably the west. So you would not want to have a bunch of floor-to-ceiling glass facing north or west because there will be cold rooms in the winter. But maybe that's where you put your garage or your utility room or your bathrooms. So you design and lay out the house to respond to the sun and the breezes. Uh, but specifically, when you are talking about uh, minimizing the expense of heating and waste uh, from a process, I think there is, an, there is another answer, Alan, which is find out from the builder if he tests the air tightness of the air conditioning and the heating system ducts. Okay. Because when ducts leak, the building really has problems. Excellent. Uh, it, it, it makes it... If you could just have 15% duct leakage, which means you're taking 100% of the air out of the house and only putting 85% back in, you're throwing away 15% of the air to your attic or the interstitial floor cavity or someplace that you just spent money processing. And that's bad. You're throwing away, it's just like you're throwing away money. But what's really bad is when it goes, when the house goes into a vacuum because you're not putting all the air back into it that you took out of it, well, then it starts sucking air in from around the weather stripping of the doors or the windows or down through the chimney. And so a 15% leakage actually amounts to a 30% reduction in the air conditioning or heating system's wow. efficiency. So duct blaster tests, we made them law here in Austin, Texas. Every single house has to have a duct blaster test. And the other thing is it's got to have a blower door test to find out if the house is leaking air because it doesn't matter how well insulated it is or what the R value is of your windows. If the house leaks air from the outside, it's not going to be a good performer. So if I could ask you a question then, because you guys covered a lot of stuff right there. And I just want to kind of dial this in. Are you saying that some of those best practices that you just listed, like the blower door test to figure yeah. out where the house is leaking air. That's not something that all builders do? No, 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 no. Now, in some communities, Austin has been required for decades. Uh, the first energy codes in America were Austin's. Denver is another city that's got some pretty good energy codes. Portland does too, but no, there are a lot of cities that are still finding this to be news. You have to ask for it. Excellent. Man, that's great. You can't expect. Remember, the building codes are primarily protecting the occupants from safety issues, like health and safety issues, like okay. fire and stuff like that. 
if we're talking about performance issues like we are here, you can't necessarily rely on the codes to give you good protection there. That is very helpful. Um, would you say, well, let me phrase it a different way. Does having some of these things like like making sure that the builder is going to do the blower door t- test so that they can dial in, making sure there's no uh, a leakage, a transfer, a unwanted transfer of, of air, uh, does that kind of stuff add a lot to the cost of the home? I don't think so. I mean, I've built a few, I've renovated a bunch of homes and built uh, one new. No, it, it's, you got to be fastidious. You have to go around with a can of spray foam and fill up gaps here and there. You do want to wrap the house in some type of weather wrap and tape it really well. Um, I think in a real worthwhile upgrade, upgrade if you're building a new home, is to make sure you use that spray polyurethane foam. Uh, particularly the better lower outgassing stuff like ultra pure it it does a fantastic job of sealing up the house and, and you and there is this misnomer that gee if you build the house too tight you'll get sick no that's 30 year old information that's been debugged you want to build the shell tightly and then it, you want to ventilate it correctly but you have to start off with a very tightly built home. And the best way of doing that is spray foam insulation in the walls and on the underside of the roof. You don't want to ventilate an attic anymore. Not at all. Excellent, man. That's great stuff. So, you know, just hearing you guys talk, like the, the knowledge and experience that you have is just so valuable. And it just reminds me of how important it is to have an actual architect working with you on your project. So, I mean, you guys know that there's there's certain areas of the U.S. where it's not a law that you have to have an architect involved in your project. In my first episode, uh, I mentioned how I really encourage people that are dreaming of a dream home to, to, to get an architect helping them because they're going to be your advocate. And one of the examples I gave was having the architect really be a good liaison between you and the custom builder because the architect's going to be able to know whether or not the components being included in the home are the ones that were specified or are installed properly, things like that. What's your, what advice could you give a homeowner who maybe was not necessarily thinking of having an architect? Why, why, would you advocate to them that they should hire an architect? Well, uh, an architect is a, is an knowledge is a knowledgeable advisor to be able to ask the questions that the homeowner may not know to ask of the builder, uh, because he's familiar with these processes. He can be a, a representative to the builder or to the to the client, just like the builder is responsible to the client. So then you have this three-legged stool where uh, the architect isn't responsible to the builder nor vice versa, but they're both representing the the client's interest. And that way you can have a check and balance to make sure everything gets done the way it should be done. I'm gonna I'm gonna say it more directly. <laughs> For most people, building a home is the single most expensive endeavor of their lives. Do you want somebody 
who is going to be looking after your interests. Because remember, not to put the builder down, but his or her interests are transactional. They want to get the house built and done and collect their money and go. Now, a good builder will stay involved with their clients. I get it. But you want somebody who's saying, wait a second, before you go or before you say all those windows are installed correctly, I want somebody who's not working for you just to check things. Or I want to check the validity of this change order or check the validity of this monthly draw request. You want somebody with with bullets in their gun on your side. I'm not to say all builders are bad, but think how much money you're spending here. So, KT, that, that brings back why people should have an architect and why they should have their architect do a very comprehensive service on the design of that house because you want to have all the pieces documented, specified, so that it, it reduces the amount of, uh, of things happening uh, that aren't anticipated or having the builder forget to do things because they just weren't on the drawings that he didn't right. know. If it's on the drawing, if it's in a spec, then uh, the owner and the architect to make sure those things get implemented. And if they're not, then, you know, there should be some uh, some sort of uh, credit coming back or, or those things should be fixed. But it gives a standard for the house to be built. Yeah, that's beautiful. So what if someone's listening and they say, well, you know what? My friend is a designer. My friend's talking to me and they're a designer. Is that any different from being an architect? Yeah, there is a big difference. Now, look, if their friend's a designer with 25 years experience in the field, then maybe they went to architecture school and got a good degree in construction science or architecture, but just never got around to getting licensed. And, you know, they might be pretty good. But the difference between a designer typically and a licensed architect is huge. A licensed architect has to have shown to you that he's got a professional or she's got a professional degree in architecture, went through the apprenticeship program through the professional architect, took the exams to prove their knowledge. And then here's the important one. They continually have to get at least 12 and in many states, 18 hours of continuing education every year to stay up to date on things. That's really important because if you don't have to stay up to date on your on your trade or your profession, you might be doing things wrong for years upon years upon years for your clients and never know it. There is a lot to be said for staying on top of what's going on in the profession to build better. And a, a professional architect carries obviously a professional license that's regulated by the state. Uh, the, the state has the uh, the authority over over what we do, and if we don't uh, perform our jobs right, then uh, people always have the ability to go to the state and, and register complaints. So it's it's a way to to create a standard that that can actually uh, be implemented. Uh, for for uh, a better working process with clients. KT, let me add something to that. Um, let me see if I can get my train of thought right. An architect cannot specify or call for building materials that they have a financial interest in. But a builder, a realtor, and a designer None of them have those restrictions. Wow. So when we are specifying something as simple as a water heater for one of our houses, we're looking at what's the best water heater for your money and how long will it last? 
we're not looking at the idea of it. If we spec- if we sell 10 of those water heaters in our houses, we'll get a free fishing trip. That's not the way we make our decisions on our clients' behalf as to what to specify. So that's one thing to keep in mind. And that that does happen a lot where mysteriously you're getting these type of windows or these type of plumbing fixtures or these type of kitchen appliances because of relationships. I appreciate the benefit of good relationships between vendors and builders, but I also appreciate objectivity and making sure the homeowner is getting the best value for their dollar. And then one other thought about using a professional to design your home. A plumber, you might think, knows a lot about water heating and plumbing systems, and they usually do, but they're not designers. What we found years ago is if you really do a good design of a plumbing system, even for a pretty darn big house, 5,000 square feet, you should not ever need more than one water heater. So just by doing some good design, you can not only save you the cost of buying an extra water heater or two, but save you the ongoing maintenance of that machine or those machines for the rest of your life. So there is a lot to be said for designing not just how the house looks, but the systems in the house. Man, that's great stuff. You guys, we got to take a break. So um, when we come back, I've got a couple of other great questions for you. You're listening to Designing and Building Your Dream Home, and I'm your host, KT. We'll be right back. teenager is tough. There's the constant pressure to be liked. Endless worrying about college. Cyberbullying, high expectations, all the negativity. There's no question. Being a teenager is tough. And what do Washington's teens do when they want to block out the noise and clear their heads? We play! Research shows that teenagers who participate in high school sports have lower stress levels, more confidence, and greater self-esteem. And then there's the biggest benefit of all. High school sports are fun. Not just fun. They're a lot of fun. (laughs) (laughs) Encourage your teenagers to participate in a sport or activity when they go to high school. They'll stress less and smile more. And they'll be laying the foundation for a happier, healthier future. This message presented by the Washington Interscholastic Activities Association and the Washington State Secondary Athletic Administrators Association. Hi, this is United States Secretary of Labor, Marty Walsh. If you're experiencing lingering symptoms of COVID-19 or long COVID, you are not alone. The U.S. Department of Labor is committed to supporting you during your recovery and our nation's recovery. You may be entitled to temporary or long-term accommodations that can help you stay on the job or return to work when you're ready. To learn more, contact Job Accommodation Network at askjan.org. That's A-S-K-J-A-N.org. Alternative Talk 1150, the talk of the sound. Welcome back. This is Designing and Building Your Dream Home. I'm your host, KT, and we're honored to have Alan Barley and Peter Pfeiffer of Barley Pfeiffer Architects. When we left, um, we were talking about how important it was to have an actual licensed architect on the team 
that's helping you put your dream home together. Whether it's required by the state you live in or not, it's going to save you a lot of headaches because the architects who design great homes for a living will help you to avoid some stumbling blocks that are easily made if you're inexperienced. And as Peter pointed out, for many people, this could be one of the most expensive investments they make. And having an advocate on your team, someone that can help you navigate this process, work uh, more effectively with the custom builder, because the architect doesn't work for the builder. The architect works for you. And the architect will represent you in working with the builder. So this is a, a, a very important um, suggestion that uh, I, I hope you, you t- take note of. And again, um, a great place to start <clears throat> besides uh, making a connection with the architects and builders that we have on, on the show, a great place to start is the American Institute of Architects. So that's about... 100,000 architects throughout the United States, and you'll find that many of the country's best residential architects are members of the AIA. So, uh, Alan and Peter, I've got a question for you. Just kind of putting myself in the place of someone who's been dreaming about building a custom home, something that's theirs, not just something that was available, but there's intent. They, They took the time to figure out what they want, and they shared that with you. And with your help, they designed something that's just perfect for their family, for their retirement, for their vacation home, whatever their circumstances are. Uh, how do they get started? Is that they go to your website and look at some of your past projects? I mean, you guys have amazing images of past projects on your site. Is that where they start? Do they... Do they try to read some of the articles that you've written? How does a person get started on this path? Well, I'm going to tell you from my perspective, and then I'm sure Alan will have his. Listen, architecture is indeed a very visual art and profession. So a lot of people's tendency is to look at architects' web page and look at the homes they designed for others and see if they like that. And while that makes sense, what we have found over the years as you mature in our profession is that we can design in any style a client wants. What's really more important, therefore, to the homeowner who's shopping for an architect is to find out about the architect's background and their approach to designing a home for them. So we always suggest you go to our website, barleypfeiffer.com, Go to the people page and read about Alan's background and my background and that of our firm, and then read about our approach and see if it makes sense to you. Then, if you would like, certainly go look at the homes we've designed and the remodels we've done. But the purpose of the homes and the remodels we show is to show the depth and the breadth of Alan's design capabilities. You'll see some traditional-looking homes. You'll see some Texas country-looking homes. But heck, you'll see a project we did in Montana in the mountains, and you'll see some very contemporary homes, too. As I was saying before, a good architect should be able to work in any style. Our difference is that whatever style you want us to work in, that will be designed to reflect the climate and the the area where it's designed and going to be built. That's the difference. A lot of our colleagues don't do that. So that's our approach. 
any design style you want, but it's got to be climate responsive. After that, yeah, go to YouTube, put in our name, uh, Barley Pfeiffer Architecture, and look at some of the, watch some of the talks we've been asked to give at various venues around the country. You'll learn a lot about our process just doing that. Al, do you yeah, think so? there's also uh, we have an Instagram account at Barley Pfeiffer and also Facebook. Facebook. But then uh, to be a little bit more specific, when you're looking for architects, check your local chapter of the American Institute of Architects. Most cities have a local chapter that that uh, a, a, a professional organization of architects and see if they have homes tours that the architects put on every year. Here in Austin, we have a. a very well attended homes tour that happens every October. Uh, a few thousand people go through uh, uh, architects' houses. The the houses have to be uh, submitted for. It's like a competition. They only choose ten, but it's a great way for for folks to actually walk in the houses, uh, talk to the architects, uh, see and feel and hear, and maybe even talk to the owners too. Uh, oftentimes, people that come into our office had have attended these tours for several years, and, and they have a, a pretty good idea by that point of, uh, about finding architects that, that fit uh, their particular likes. Uh, excellent, excellent. Yeah, so, but I, oh, go ahead. But wait, go ahead. I, I wanted to emphasize, it's, it's a very normal thing to look at the pictures and judge based on the pictures. But understand the analogy there. That's like going into a bookstore and choosing the book you're going to read based on the artwork on the cover. It's only one aspect of what was important to that client for which we designed that home for. It's the process. How did we find out from that client what their dreams and aspirations were? And how did we guide them about the ramifications of implementing those dreams and aspirations? Because that's what an architect does for you. They not only help you identify the dream, but they help you articulate the whys behind the dream. Why are you asking for this type of home? What is it about this style that appeals to you? Are you sure you want to build that large a home? If you're, Is this home going to be appropriate for you after the kids leave and it's just you and your wife? There's a lot of involved with the process that an architect, an experienced architect, puts you through. That, by the way, we call programming. Let's find out the whys and the what's before we start designing. I like to say, KT, that, that we as architects, we help people write the story of their life. So that story, sometimes we come in at the very beginning and we're, we're opening uh, uh, the, the, the initial chapters. And sometimes we come in in the middle. And sometimes, as, as a few days ago, we had a client come in who, who told us they really love living in, in their house. Uh, they're uh, approaching 70 and they want to live out their days in that house. So many times we, we see the whole span of a lifetime with, with folks and and help them negotiate through those paths. Boy, I appreciate those thoughts. Uh, I want to ask you guys a question because there are a number of options in terms of designing and building your home. And one of the options is design build. Do you have any thoughts on pros or cons of architect and builder versus one firm that's doing both? Yeah, 
I'll answer that because I did have a design build firm before Al and I came together and started this architectural firm. On the surface, the idea of design build makes sense, where the architect and the builder are one entity, and you would think, therefore, the architect's not going to come up with a design that the builder can't build for your budget. And that's true. But on the other side of the coin, now you have nobody working for you. The architect is working for the builder. He is not working or she is not working for you. And the second reality I came up came across is when I would check up on the construction that my team or my crew would do and my partner who ran the construction crew, if I saw something wrong, I would have to really think twice about reporting it to the homeowner because if I did, it would dig directly into my profits for that project. And for that reason, I realized it's too easy to compromise your ethics in a design-build scenario. I think the other reason why I didn't do it anymore was the mindset it takes to run a construction company is very different than the mindset it takes to be a good architect. It's hard to have both of those mindsets equally and well-addressed in one under one roof. What we do recommend instead, Kevin, is the architect is hired directly and the builder is hired directly by the owner. So both of those parties work for the owner directly, not for each other. And and you do want a good team. We always recommend as soon as we get a design client, the first thing we do is have them interview a handful of builders that we've already vetted. And we get the builder involved right away. So as soon as we do an, a design, a preliminary design, they can do a preliminary estimate. So we have the builder working hand in hand with us and the client all through the process. And we stay hand in hand with the builder and the client during the construction process. But we don't have the potential ethical violations or questions that come up when the designer and the builder are really one firm. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, that totally makes sense. And I think that's the kind of experience talking that many of our listeners will appreciate. That that was real world from a person that's been on both sides of that question, and, and that's very helpful. Well, look, we've got just a few minutes left, but I want to take a quick break, and we'll come back. You're listening to Designing and Building Home. I'm your host, KT, and we'll be back in just a few moments. More and more these days, it feels like sports are losing out to hype. Who dissed who? Who signed the fattest contract? Who got busted for cheating? Lost 2 is the unique capacity sports have to inspire us, to unite us. Well, great news, sports fans. Sports are still being played for the right reasons. They're still as entertaining as they are character building. You just have to know where to find it. And you only have to look as far as your local Washington High School. You know, the place where the games are exciting, concessions are affordable, and the parking is free. Where the emphasis is on hustle and heart instead of hype. If you prefer real, honest-to-goodness sport played for all the right reasons, you'll find it at your hometown high school, High School Sports. Games are being played this weekend at a Washington High School near you. Okay, everybody, who's in? 
This message presented by the Washington Interscholastic Activities Association and the Washington State Secondary Athletic Administrators Association. I see you finally got a new helmet. I did. Bought it cheap online. <laughs> Follow me. We'll turn off here. I'm right behind you. Watch the cars. They can be crazy. Oh. Patty! No! Are you okay? Somebody do something! Was this young man hit by a car? Yes, and his helmet is smashed. It's a brand new helmet! It's probably a fake. Fakes cause real harm. You're smart, buy smart. Brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council and the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. Hi, this is Marilyn Milano. If you love animals, then please check out my new show, Love Has Many Faces, Tuesdays from 9 to 9.30 a.m. right here on Alternative Talk 1150. I'll be talking with rescue groups, animal advocates, and other organizations that help animals, sharing their stories, and giving our listeners some tangible ways in which they can help make a difference. That's Love Has Many Faces, Tuesdays at 9 a.m., right here on Alternative Talk 1150. Raising awareness, touching hearts, and saving animals' lives. Ready to shake things up? Try Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back. This is Designing and Building Your Dream Home. I'm your host, KT, and we've got Peter Pfeiffer and Alan Barley, two well-respected residential architects with us. I wanted to just thank both of you for being part of the show. I do have a, a, a couple quick questions that I'm hoping that you might be able to expound on a little bit. Uh, when when you're thinking of what separates Barley Pfeiffer architects from some other well-respected, well-known residential architecture firm, what how, how would you define it? How would you separate yourself from your competitors? And also, you know, I, I'm in the Seattle area. Um, you're in Austin. If I like what I have heard from you today, if I like what I see when I'm reading your your research papers, but I'm in Chicago, can you help me? Well, that's a good question. And uh, so we have, Peter and I have been working together as a company for at least 33 years. We have 33 years of clients as with any, as you should with any architect when you go to hire somebody or inquire. They should be able to give you a list of past clients with built houses that you can call and hear directly from those clients how how, how the architect has worked. Uh, but otherwise, uh, we we're passionate about what we do. We believe in the in our process. We know that it works well for people. We have their feedback. So give us a call. We are happy to spend time on the phone talking to uh, people who are, are wanting to know how we do our work. You know, we've done stuff in the Carolinas, on the the, the Northeast, New Jersey, New York, um, the North Pacific Northwest. I started off doing uh, windsurfing hotels in the Hood River Valley, uh, out just east of Portland in Hood River, Oregon, and places like that. So we've got a pretty good experience range. Uh, we've got some people calling us this afternoon to interview us about doing a retreat in New Mexico. If we don't think we can do the project, we'll tell you. But that's rarely had to be the case. If we need to, to team up with a local architect, sometimes we do that. 
But, you know, there's something to be said for having a different perspective on the way things are done. When Al and I did that project in Montana, we were interviewing local architects in the Bozeman area and realized that none of them really knew much about this idea of passive solar design and climate responsiveness. We were able to show them how to do a cold roof that really reduced the energy consumption of the house without having to have electrical coils on the roof to melt the snow. That was just a little example of sometimes bringing in somebody who hasn't been doing it like everybody else might be good for you and might save you a lot of money. Uh, and I think that's a good place to wrap it up, don't you guys? Or is there more you would want to talk about, KT? Uh, well, I could I could listen to you guys talk about the industry and some of the projects you've worked on and some of the projects you have coming up for, for a long time. Uh, I really want to thank you for being our guest. Uh, I think you uh, mentioned earlier the, the best way to uh, learn more about you. And, and can you mention again those questions? Uh, those uh, channels? Yes. Um, first and foremost, look at our website, read the pro the approach and the background page before you start looking at the pictures. You might even read the consulting page. www.barley, B-A-R-L-E-Y, Pfeiffer, P-F-E-I-F-F-E-R.com. Instagram at Barley Pfeiffer. Facebook. Facebook, uh, just talk. Uh, oh, and don't forget Howes. H-O-U-Z-Z, uh, the Howes website. We have probably the largest uh, compilation of photographs of our work sitting on on our, our page. On Howes. On right? Howes. So that's a good place, too. And, and then feel free to call us, email us. We will try to get back. Uh, we always do try to get back in a timely fashion with all the inquiries people um, uh, make about our work. Excellent. I appreciate it. So again, thank you, gentlemen. Thanks for being on the show. You've been listening to Designing and Building Your Dream Home. I'm your host, KT. If you missed any of the shows, you can listen to the podcast wherever you go for podcasts. Uh, you'll find it there. Looking forward to spending time with you again next week. And again, have a great, great week. <laughs>